Countries like Singapore are trying to go plastic free. And it's people like Jonathan Tostevin that are making that happen. He's currently leading the launch and growth of a new sharing economy solution for takeaway packaging in the F&B industry in Singapore. It's called Revolve. He's also founded a company called The Final Straw. Yep, he's also ridding the island of plastic straws. I'm Jonathan, um, and I am... So I run operations for a company called Revolve. Uh, we are trying to create a platform for reuse, um, reusable food and drink containers in cities uh, across Asia. So the concept is you can take away a reusable cup or food box from any cafe and drop it off somewhere convenient for you. And that could be another cafe, it could be your office pantry, it could be shopping mall, it could be an independent point. Um, and so we want to make reusable or reuse um easy, convenient, and like actually a good experience for you as well. So it's essentially a, a, a positive alternative to single use. You're making it no excuse. You, no excuse no to excuse reuse. To yeah. Re- no, right. yeah. Right. We're just riffing off marketing slogans here. Uh, yeah. No excuse making it like, um, so there are people out there that already bring their own and that's cool. Like they're making you have to do that, but most people consider that a real hassle and a faff and your cup leaks in your bag or you have to clean it. And we're trying to make it easy for those people to like feel better about making the right decision. Most people are aware of like waste issues and plastic issues. And if they think about it, they'll know their single use cop is single use, but uh, we want to offer a, a alternative or a better service for those people that want something, but can't really deal with the faff. I had no idea what faff meant. Good old Google told me that it's British slang for an overcomplicated task especially one perceived as a waste of time. There you go. I learned something new every day. And you also, you, yeah. you have some history with straws. I do. So yeah, I also have some history with straws. So uh, last year I set up an environmental business called The Final Straw. Um, great name. Uh, which um, uh, serves as a wholesaler of uh, sustainable alternatives to plastic straws for cafes and restaurants in Singapore. Yeah. So why, why straw? So why straws? Um, actually was a bit of an accident, if I'm honest, to start off with. I mean, I mean, the name wasn't an accident. That was intentional. But um, me and a friend back in the UK uh, have been talking about circular economy business models for quite a while, as, as you do. Um, and uh, we were interested in, in how we could test like a leasing business like how we could you know rent um rent products rent as a service and it was just at that time when um like plastic straws became a real um public uh issue um the video of the, the you know the video that went viral of, of the turtle with um the straw being extracted from its nostril had just started to go really big and wide and um we were really interested in whether our like a circular economy solution could be applied to that context, like in the straw situation in this specific uh, context, like would this work? Um, so we spent a few months trying to design a circular economy leasing model for straws where we would deliver and collect and clean straws. Didn't work. Like commercially, it's a real no go. Don't, don't try and do that. <laughs> Cost far too much. Um, and in the end, we realized also that people weren't really interested in it. Um, cafes and bars were quite happy to buy them from us and just clean them themselves. So we realized the simple solution was a better one. And, but we didn't want to lose kind of the environmental aspect of it. So, uh, the business pretty much solely does wholesale um, to to cafes and bars because we wanted to get as much use out of each of those products as possible. So, for example, we might sell 50 or 100 to one place and they'll use those every day. So within 
you know, within three months, that's 100 uses per item, which kind of means that they can be a legitimately sustainable alternative to a, a single-use item. So, so how long was the transition between people not wanting or not even knowing that this was an issue in terms of the cafe and the F&B yeah. industry and then all of a sudden this becoming a trend in a way? Yeah, um, so I think it's probably been a year, year and actually I think over the last year just really seen the transition and now you know, WWF has signed up 270 outlets that have got rid of plastic straws whereas I think last year the only the first guys I think were common man and they, they'd done it I think at the beginning of 2018 and that sort of time, I think. But I think cafes and bars were quite receptive quite quickly. They, they're really, I think a lot of places have really got on their finger on the trigger of kind of what's new, what's important, like what's an issue. And it only takes a couple of people to complain for them to realise it's an issue. Um, so they're aware it's a problem, but weren't sure what the solution was. We mostly sell steel straws and you get a really cool range of colours and different sizes. And that's quite can be quite attractive for cocktail bars or like nice coffee places. We are addicted to plastics, and it comes in so many forms. In 2015, a YouTube video of a sea turtle with a straw locked in its nose went viral, racking up more than 26 million views. It was heart-wrenching, and everyone was talking about it. And all of a sudden, straws really sucked. People slowly started saying no to straws, but would accept a plastic cup with a plastic lid and a plastic carrier bag. I think the image of the turtle was necessary, but did it also make us blind to the rest? That whole viral image of the turtle was um, really critical and powerful in getting people talking about plastic straws for one thing, but I think it has prompted a wider, um, uh, like a wider kind of awareness of other items. I think it's led people to go, okay, well, okay, I'll change my straw, but what about the cup? What about the bag? And I think that has happened. I think it's hard to measure, but I use my wife's work colleagues as a measurement tool because most of the people I speak to are sustainability nuts and are already like all over it and kind of several leagues beyond. But um, I kind of sent her off to work with different products and like then people will like ask her, she'll talk a bit about them here and there. And then people were like, oh, but what about this? What about that? And I think... Um, from what I hear back through her, there are, um, yeah, I think people are really, it has prompted wide awareness of, of other issues. And, you know, people do go, obviously straws aren't the only, people, I think most people are aware that straws aren't the, the kind of the main problem. Um, but there, are, I think there are a way in to talk about the wider issue. Like at what point do we just become lazy individuals that are reliant on, on convenience? Yeah. And to what point do you think it'll spill over naturally when we actually are motivated to do something about it versus like, Oh, we just want convenience. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, um, it's some, that's really interesting stuff in there. And I think like, I think the straw has been a, a really like a fundamental part of the awareness raising. I think, um, it's almost been like the lightning rod for, um, the metal straw for, um, for like, the metal straw that's, that has the lightning. Yeah. Lightning. Yeah. The lightning is conducting through the metal straw. Um, and in terms of kind of, cause it's such a personal item and it's such a, an item that shouldn't be in the sea. Like you think of the sea as like a really pristine place in people's imagination. And, and the idea of this kind of a turtle, again, a kind of like defenseless creature being attacked by this, again, it's like 
what should be relatively harmless thing. And then you think, hang on a minute, there's like millions of these used every day and the scale goes booms. I think that one like picture of turtle with like, like plastic straw, um, I think it made a lot of, it really sort of captured the whole issue around mass consumption, around creation of plastics and disposal of plastics in a very convenient image. Challenge is moving people from awareness to adoption because it's one thing to be aware of it and know about it and another thing to actually change your behavior. And, uh, you know, going back to BYO, like it's still probably quite a niche group of people that bring their own stuff and have, maybe carry a water bottle is relatively usual, but like carrying your own coffee cup and your cutlery set and your straw. And like, I think that's still pretty um, niche um, and not very mainstream. And I, I'm not sure I, I see that going mainstream anytime soon. Um, so I think the challenge for environmental businesses, and I guess the challenge that we're trying to solve with Revolve is how do you like activate that awareness? So how do you move people on uh, and give them a solution that is relatively easy for them to adopt? Um, and this convenience point is a really interesting one because with Revolve, we're trying to match or get as close to convenience single use as we can. But I often like wonder like, you know, whether actually we'd be trying to like, to factor inconvenience back into people's lifestyles and actually rather than trying to aspire to match convenience, actually go, you know, we are going to deliberately make this more inconvenient for you <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're going to want us to do that. And it's, you know, it comes across, you know, we've made this very convenient world where you can literally press anything on screen and get anything the next day. Um, and maybe we're just starting to realize the costs of all that from, you know, shipping all over the world, like cheap labor, um, through to like being able to just have anything every time you want. Um, I think, I think Revolve needs to stick with its marketing of convenience for the time being. I think people aren't ready to be marketed inconvenience yet. Um, but I think that's a really interesting aspect how long we should be pushing like this convenience thing for. Because yeah, I think I'm also wondering with the convenience thing, because I think the way I see the change of mindset is really them understanding why they're doing it and the fight of businesses and services. It's, making lives convenient so mm. people would buy your item or your product or get your service mm. but like if if it's the, in this early on when we are trying to educate everyone about sustainability and why they should be doing it do you think it's too early for us to offer convenience instead of like hey you should be doing this because this reason because if we have that kind of convenience people would just take it for granted why they're doing it yeah ultimately i think we have to um, provide value to people. It's only so long that people will do something if they don't really get any value from it. Um, uh, and one of those main value items is convenience. So if we're not going to provide convenience, we have to provide something that's fundamentally better in another way. Uh, and that could be feel good factor for some people. Like they like the fact that they're saving the environment and then can link to that. But I think that probably main, that probably isn't going to work for the mainstream. Yeah. Um, so it could be a better quality, like experience or product for sure that you have to work a little bit harder for to get um or you start removing convenience from people which yeah yeah i think that's interesting though because you know you always talk about like what is the impact of the materials mm -hmm. but we hardly talk about the impact of there's just the sheer convenience factor yeah. like is that also maybe a topic that the wider sustainability sphere and everyone who's tackling it from different angles should also start talking about how yeah we're creating these businesses that are innovative and are tackling you know the circular economy in different yeah. ways but at the end of the day, if convenience is still the prime reason why someone will use something, like what is the price of that? That's such an interesting, I'm so glad you yeah. brought that up. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's such an interesting thing. 
it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Like you've got like sharing economy or I don't know whether they're quite class as sharing economy models, but like your mobikes, obikes, I guess even grab, but um, which do deliver convenience for you without having to own an item. But then I think people are just starting to do studies now on whether it really is environmentally better. And I think like the share taxi ones, I'm not sure it is because it brings extra cars onto the road that wouldn't have been there. I probably wouldn't have got a taxi all the times I'm taking grab. I would have got a bus, which is better. So, uh, and then mobikes, obviously and that whole, like, you know, what happens to the bikes when you use thing? Um, I don't know whether that's a problem of the system or a problem of the product, but I think obviously in our days now, we're in a transition of, of everything that we're doing in terms of, the food that we eat or the products that we buy. Um, and there's a lot of talks of like banning plastics. Mm. Um, that's going to be the solution, especially here in Singapore. Um, that's what they, and also other countries and some countries have already done that. Mm. So do you think really banning straw, plastic straws, is it really that, is it the solution that we're looking for? Uh, I, I think uh, short answer. Yes. Like I think it has to be part of the solution now. Um, like there is so we produce so many of these kind of small plastic items like um spoons stirrers drawers cocktail sticks little sachet things um uh cotton buds or you know, plastic ones um like they're just you know they're in their billions now that and they're so cheap to make that um like other levers i think will make it quite hard to reduce the number of that and i think we we do need to bring that number down like there is obviously the resource that goes into making those and then the, how do you, the disposal challenges because these things are so tiny that they're pretty much next to impossible to recycle um yes you can capture them and dispose of them effectively um but if you don't they're going to end up in the sea or in or in landfill or open landfill even and um going to cause damage there so we have to do something about managing the sheer volume of items that are causing issues i i think that um i think you know, we have to try and reduce the amount of that and, um, uh, you know, look, trying to get people to change their behavior is not going to do that. I think we need to either, it should be a charge on it, like a 5P charge, so I can choose to have this product if I want, which you know, I don't think is unreasonable uh, for non-essential products, for people who don't need, need, need it, or um, a ban except on request. So I would, I personally, if I was in charge and I had a magic wand, I would make all these items available on request and I think you would see a 50% reduction in their usage fairly quickly. So they're only available when you need them. And then I might think about a tax or a kind of a ban. But the EU ban actually, because the EU is going to ban plastic straws and at least in the implementation in the UK, which is where I'm from, I know a bit about it, is they are still available on requests and they are still available for people at pharmacies and people who medically need these items. So yeah. it's not like complete whitewash ban. Um, yeah. yeah, that touches upon a really important point that, that kind of came out um in July of last year, when Starbucks kind of mm. in the U.S. put out this all-out ban, um, twenty-eight thousand stores across the globe were going to, you know, get rid of and eliminate all of their plastic straws by twenty twenty. And then a week later, people took to the streets in New York um, protesting this ban. These are individuals who care, who are caretakers for, or who are uh, themselves um, um, reliant on straws. It's a it's a group of people that yeah. um, are a minority, but um, are kind of the the primary demographic that straws were originally created for. And I remember when this happened, this kind of got me thinking like why do we why do the rest of us need straws? <laughs> like I understand why these people are upset that yeah. that it's being banned. Um 
so why do we even need straws? I mean, and and not to not to diss the final straw, you're, you know, or, or or the reason or the reason why I'm this whole now. project. Yeah, now yeah. you're leaving. He's just left the building, folks. He's left. Um, but but why do we? Why do restaurants even need, or why do we need to be purchasing um, um, reusable straws in the first place? Um, I mean, why do we need anything? I guess would be sure. one answer to that. Like, yeah, um, for people. I mean, obviously, for people who need it from a medical perspective, uh, or they're unable to drink without one, like they have to be able to get one easily. That that's something that just has to happen. Um, for like the mass, the vast majority of people, or a lot of people who who aren't in that situation, who are using straws. Uh, I mean, I guess like a lot of people are using it because it's actually nicer experience. So if you you know you get an ice drink and you don't have a straw, it is a bit annoying to have ice in your nose all the time. Very true. And the ice melts on the top, so your drink is better at the bottom. So it's a nicer experience to use a straw. I think we should like uh, you know recognize that actually people get pleasure. Their pleasure experience is increased by having one, and they like. Unless we're in like a, unless we're in environmental dictatorship, people yeah, should yeah, have yeah. the right to like opt in for that. It comes back to our convenience point that basically for, you know, for kind of retail, um, it's so much more efficient for them if they can do the same thing for everyone, which means like when you order a drink, it comes in the same cup, the straw goes there, the napkin goes there, it goes in a bag and off you go, rather than having to like, like opt in or opt out, uh, or sometimes make it different, you know, or straws are over there or whatever. So, yeah. um, They've, we've got very, very good, or the retail sector's got very, very good at making life convenient for people. What do you think would be the best option for you to have if you really From want a, to a sustainability use? point of view? Yeah, sustainability like, point of view. Um, so, I, like, from, from the materials of straws that are out there, I think bamboo is quite clear, like a clear sustainability, the best one from a sustainability point of view. Um, uh, particularly if it's grown like wildly, particularly if it's grown without like heavy fertilizer or, or um, uh, chemicals, which it should do because it grows wild across all this part of the world. Um, and if you look after it really well, it lasts a long time. So uh, my colleague Coco, her, she has a bam- had a bamboo straw for the last three years and it's still in really good condition. And she, uh, tip here, she bakes it in the oven to like uh, stop it from getting moldy, like wow, from getting, dries it out. That's the tip with bamboo straws, you've got to dry them. If you don't dry them well, they will get like foisty and smell like feet. But um, mm. uh, bamboo is the best. Um, for our customers, uh, don't, they don't, bamboo doesn't really work that well in a busy urban in, kind of restaurant environment. So most people opt for stainless steel, um, which is obviously very easy to clean, uh, exactly. And uh, it's got really long life. Um, it, it, it takes quite a lot of energy to make steel and stainless steel so it's important that uh, it gets a lot of reuse and we we kind of ask people to reuse at least 20 times if we're we do a little bit of kind of sale b2c um so we aim we say give them a kind of 20 use mark but probably it might be a bit higher than that but yeah through our anyway through our partners we've we displaced a hundred thousand plastic straws wow. last last year That's it's probably at like 250 now i think so yeah it's really quick when using them every day the use kind of racks up quite quickly For our listeners outside of Southeast Asia, Singapore is a tiny, tiny country. But anyone from here will tell you that eating out is basically a national sport. There is no shortage of amazing food. And for many, eating takeout is a habit. But because of it, Singapore uses 373 million plastic disposable items like takeaway containers every single year. 
But introducing reusables can be a big step for FNBs. When I talk to people initially is around the, the questions people ask is around like hygiene, around theft, around operations. But usually those first two go away, like once people start actually using them. Um, and it's, it's usually quite seamless. Um, it's somehow more of a perception thing, I think. Interesting. I didn't think theft would be one of the issues. Yeah, it's it people are like, and uh, when you, I think people, anyone who works in a bar, like the amount of things that people take is quite shocking. Really? I, I had no idea. Like, I was in a bar last two weeks ago, and they were just, people take the cups, like the glasses, like they, particularly if you've got a really nice, like bespoke glass for your cocktails, people will take that. And the menus. People were taking the menus from this place as well. I have like, never heard of this place. It was just like a super high-end cocktail bar in, right in the CBD area. And, yeah, like, people just take stuff. Um, I, I kind of like, yeah, when people, I mean, like, when people tell me that, I'm like, oh, it's Singapore, like, you know, I can leave my wallet on the street and it will be there tomorrow. Like, But um, I think maybe there is something, there's something, I don't know what the stats are, and I don't know where, like how much of it is still a perception thing, but... Um, so it does happen a bit. Interesting. So women who enter bars with big purses. Yeah, watch out for them. Should, yeah. <laughs> Bar owners beware. You should be searching them on the way out. Plastic has had a bad reputation, but when it was first invented, it was considered a miracle material. It just begs the question, is the problem plastic or is the problem the way in which we use plastic? So for sure, like plastic's obviously an incredible material. Like we're probably surrounded by, I mean, these microphones are made of plastic. Um, there is, like my laptop's made of plastic, my phone's made of plastic, the cars are made of plastic. Like um, it's everywhere uh, and it's essential. Uh, it's brilliant. It's lightweight, it's food safe, it's moldable into various shapes. Uh, but, um, you know, there are thousands of different types of plastic. There are, you know, they're kind of, there's the seven kind of grades and more like, um, classifications and the seventh is just other and basically re- manufacturers can tinker with chemical create like molecule molecular structures of uh, plastics that you have thousands and thousands of different types and it's like impossible to dispose of that many we're only really very good at pet and slightly good at polypropylene um which is two <laughs> like two of those types um so from our like global, how do we manage our materials perspective, then I think, yeah, there is an issue with how we create plastics and how we dispose of plastics. And I think probably part of the answer has to be trying to find either a very good ways of disposing lots of different types or managing the types of plastics that we create. Then again, it's not just about plastics. It's like using and thinking about how we use materials generally much more effectively and get better use out of what energy we're putting into creating something. Like if you were going to use single-use steel straws, that would be awful. That would be even worse than plastic. So um, it's not just plastic, but I think there are some particular issues with plastic because there are so many types and there are so many issues around how we dispose of it. And it's almost like sometimes I think about the properties of plastic versus steel. So mm. so steel is a bit heavier. You kind of, it feels substantial. It yeah. feels like, yeah, it exists it's there versus a plastic one that if it can blow away in the wind. Yeah. Um, it's almost like this this mental idea we also have around plastics being disposable because there's it's so thin and it's so yep. light and and it must then be really you know disposable already in our minds we we, we make that association versus yeah, yeah a disposable steel straw yeah I think one of the fascinating bits around this whole agenda is I mean there is obviously a need for I think you know, scientific and tech innovation around new materials but so much of it is around how you engage with people and uh, like try and change their behavior 
Um, I think also what revolves around the sustainability topic is it's for the rich country or a bigger yeah. corporation because they have deeper res- um, resources. So if we ask that plastic is the most affordable um, product for businesses or developing countries, um, how is it affecting this developing countries and businesses who can only afford straw? And is there other ways or like to prevent this kind of, because it becomes more of like this developing countries and smaller businesses, mm-hmm. they become innately like evil because that's the only resources that they can afford. Yeah, I think um, there's a real there is a real risk around the sustainability community that it's it, um, it's always like the the premium or the um, you know the rich people that can afford to do it, and even just like in the context of Singapore, like it's you can see that often. Like if you want to purchase a lovely coffee cup, it'll cost you thirty dollars. Like and not everyone can afford that, and um, so it's yeah, it is a risk that I think that. Um, it's also much easier to, if you're going to make a coffee cup and sell it to people, that's your business. You're going to target the people who are going to afford it. So I think um, it's cheap and it's much more expensive than a straw. So I think there is a, there's a tendency obviously for the business to, to do that. Uh, you have to try and find these kind of mass appeal systems that work. Um, I don't know like for developing countries. Um, there are places which have taken quite impressive steps to like tackle uh, environmental problems. Rwanda banned, famously bans plastic bags and they will search your suitcase wow. on the way into the country wow. if you, and they will throw out your plastic bag. Um, like Rwanda's quite a, you know, it's a very kind of um, heavily organised country. Um, so they, and it's quite small, um, but they're still like developing and they've made that like a priority. So some of it's maybe around finding different systems. I don't think that cost always has to be the, cru- the only thing that, you don't think you have to be rich to be environmental. Um, you can say no to stuff, for example, like we've talked about straws. Um, and I think you know, maybe there are like, you know, challenges to the sustainability community is to find ways, innovative ways that um, allow, that aren't like um, discriminatory to like, poorer people, or poorer countries. So, so no matter what your paycheck is at this very moment, what are some of the things that listeners can take away as like, Things that they can do to me- today, tomorrow, um, to kind of help push this 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 agenda forward. Yeah, well, so I mean, obviously, you can you can make small changes in your lives, like um, you're not like reduces obviously the main like, the three R's: you reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, you should make sure you kind of you're not using stuff unless you really need it, and just be a bit more conscious about that and that kind of the classic. You know, I think plastic bags, plastic cups are kind of easy places to start, and uh, then start reusing the ones that you have. Um, or like if you want a more sturdy one, get hold of one of those or start to just think of alternative ways, things you can do with um, you know, plastic bottles or, uh, or whatever. Uh, I think all those things are quite like they're quite small steps, but I think it's OK to start small um, because once you start like changing one thing, you do start to think of other things and you start to get more confidence about what you can do. So I would say like the two things I would say is just be like one, be inquisitive about everything and start like questioning where it's come from, where it's going to go. And then I think be visible and start like you shouldn't, like preaching doesn't work, but like being uh, more people, there's always like one person in the office who's green. It actually only is ever really one. And that makes a huge difference. Everyone's like, oh, that one know, guy. That one person, <laughs> God, you can't make sure you don't tap out with like, uh, you know, Stephen around or like. Uh, tap out means take away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't, um, yeah, make sure you're going to have to like, not get a bag with that because like, 
Jennifer's there or whatever. I don't know. Um, so I think it, it does have quite a bit of an impact. So be inquisitive and be visible. And find that one guy in the office. And find Stephen. Yeah. 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 Their evil eye that's following you everywhere. Or be Stephen. Or be Be Stephen. Be the Stephen. (laughs) Be the Jennifer. Um, So this is actually my favorite question. What is your favorite straw pun? I wanted to know if the final straw was your favorite straw pun. The final straw is probably my favorite straw pun. Uh, I mean, like, there's, I'm distraught. Like, I've tried to put that in somewhere and... Uh, straw that broke the camel's back is another good one to lean on Um, actually I did find a joke that is really bad uh, perfect what's the difference between a straw and a Dutch comedian oh gosh I have no idea one is a hollow cylinder and one is a silly hollander oh my god (laughs) really bad oh my god wow you actually one-upped I didn't think you'd come up with anything better than that I think it's actually really bad If you're in Singapore, is there anything that you can do specifically this August? I'm glad you mentioned Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Revolve, um, yeah, Revolve, we're running an event in Chomburu at the end of August, the 24th and the 25th, where we're working with a few of the cafes in that region to offer reusables uh, for people to borrow from us and return to us during that period of time. So you can go to uh, one of 40 Hams. Premier and uh, plain vanilla cafes, and and we will be outside those, offering you the chance to borrow a cup from us and return them to one of our stations around Chomburu for that weekend only. Awesome! So if you, if Ooh, you... and uh, there are discounts offered for using Revolve <gasps> cups. Oh, yeah. even Gonna better! Be yeah, we will, <laughs> yeah. We will be there. So is it like Fran Swa Fra? Fra, 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 swa, fra, swa. But but there's no pause in the middle. <laughs> it's just okay. it's all together. Fra, swa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think I will not be able to do the outro because I'm, you can do the outro. Right your mom or your dad will be like, excuse me, you're murdering our family name. I know my mom will send you a Facebook message and be like, I was proud of you, Ray. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, you can it do this. Intro is on you. The S Word was written and produced by Laura Francois and me, Ray Puddit. Make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.